0: are some pearls from David's treasury and uh you know the psalms that they, they are they are poetry but they are personal they're personal and they they become near and dear to our hearts because they describe the in many ways they describe the relationship that David and Asaph and others had with with uh, our heavenly father and so uh, it is a treasure chest of precious and valuable truths from the heart of God. This particular psalm is, and so uh, this this I think is a is a priceless gem which should be read regularly as a reminder of who God is while we journey here below. Serve as a reminder. So let's look let's look at this psalm, and I want you to go look in verse. 17 with me. I'm going to use that for the text here. Uh, Then we'll go down through it. But notice what it says. uh, Psalm uh, 139 verse 17. The Bible says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. And I mean, when you think about that, if you just think about what David said right there, the sum of all those thoughts is greater than the sand. Do you know how much sand is in the world today? I mean, you know, don't we sing that song, uh, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed? Do not be discouraged thinking all is lost. What? Count your many blessings. And, and angels will attend and you'll, be, you know, and you'll be rejoicing. I can't remember all the rest of it, but I just know this. You know, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I mean, these are, this particular psalm has some things in it that uh, you, you just can't, just like, the, just like the thoughts of God, you can't count them all. It's like the blessings that we have in this life. And these are the things that we shouldn't forget. So I, so I want you to take a look at them with me uh, here tonight. I want you to see, first of all, I want you to, to see what David knows. David learned some things over the course of his lifetime, and he shares them here with us for us to enjoy what David knows we ought to know. Amen? And so let's look at the first one. Notice... Notice these first six verses. He said, "O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether." Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Look at verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. What's the first thing that David knows? David knows that God knows him. God knows him. And I want to say to us, do you know what? You ought to be able to say, he knows me. He knows me. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, uh, Paul wrote and said, But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? He also told Timothy this Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are his. What you and I need to take stock of and measure in and rejoice over and ponder is that the Lord knows everything about us as individuals. Didn't Jesus say he knows the very number of hairs on your head? Amen. He's aware of those things. And so he know, And according to David, he said, notice, he said, look at verse 2, Thou knowest my down-sitting, mine uprising, thou understandest my thought afar off. I mean, he knows David's wits, he knows David's ways, he knows David's words, and he knows David's whereabouts. You know, I think it was Earl Hughes, I heard him say one time, he said, sometimes I have a hard time finding God, but he doesn't ever have a hard time finding me. Amen. And what you have to keep in mind is that the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves, and he knows us inside and out. He knows us, and I, you know before you, before you can even say the word. Notice what he said. Look that, look there. He said, "For there, lo, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether." And verse two said, "You understand my thoughts afar off, even before I say it." In other words, the Lord knows what you're thinking. The Lord knows what you're meditating on. The Lord knows what you're contemplating. I mean, He's aware of every thought that enters our mind and he doesn't have trouble sorting through those things he knows me you ought to be able to say that he knows me if you've been saved by the grace of God he knows you and then look in verse 7 with me whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend up into heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, But the night shineth as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. In other words, hey, yes, it's true. Yes, God knows me, but you know what? David said, He is near me. Now just think about that for a second. Sometimes we think about, you know, we think about, we think about, you know, if people really knew me, they probably wouldn't like me. If they really knew me, and what I was thinking, and and uh, what I was planning, or what I had done, or or whatever, and the Lord knows all those things, everything about us, our past, our present. He even knows what we're going to do in the future, and we don't know. But He knew all that on the day that He saved us, and yet, in spite of that knowledge, He is near to me. Amen. When you think about that, He's near me. You know the the the. You know what I think about the fact that he's never far from me. The psalmist said he is a present help, a very present help in time of trouble. A very present help. I mean, you know what? When you're tempted, what does he do? Doesn't he provide a way to escape? According to 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, there is no temptation you but such as is common to man but God is faithful He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it so when I'm tempted he's near to help me what about what about when I am what about when I'm troubled what can I do when I'm anxious can't his presence bring calm and peace in my heart can't he whisper peace to me If I look to him, if I draw nigh to God, you know, faith will surely find him. He's never far from us. Never far from us. What about when you're grieved? There are things that grieve us. You know what? But God has the words of comfort. And sometimes he uses other people to do that. Sometimes, sometimes it's, not, it's not just now. He uses the Spirit of God to bring comfort in my life. He uses the saints of God sometimes to bring comfort in my life, to have an encouraging word, a helping hand up, or whatever it might be. Sometimes the Lord does that, but it is the Lord. And you and I, we must not fail to recognize that that's the hand of God. But that is the hand of God. So, so when I'm tempted, when I'm troubled, when I'm grieved, What, what about when you're feeling lonely? Ever happened? I think loneliness hits people in various ways. I don't think any I don't think anybody is exempt from that. But sometimes we get to feel lonely, but you know what? He can bring comfort and cheer. His presence can but listen to, what, listen to what Paul wrote in, in 2 Timothy. He said, you know what? He said, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. You know, sometimes when you're taking a stand, and particularly when you know you're right, and yet, well, well where did they go? <laughs> what happened to you? Man, you know, I mean, think about it. You know, what, what happened to Paul in some ways it's what happened to the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, what did they do? They, 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 man, they, they got the shepherd and all the sheep were scattered. Some denied him, one denied him, one betrayed him. I mean, he had that disappointment. He knew what that felt like. And yet, Paul said, he said, all men forsook me. And he said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Didn't the Lord Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He knew what men were made of. He knew what's inside of us. But notice what, listen to what Paul said. He said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. What? That by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. What's he talking about? He's talking about, he was talking about being delivered out of the Colosseum that the lions didn't get him. Now, now Nero, we know is gonna take his head eventually, but here in 2 Timothy, when he's ready to be offered up, He escaped the the lions that were there in the Colosseum. You know, they were using using Christians for entertainment. And and Paul was delivered from that. And he said, All men forsake me. No one stood with me. But nevertheless, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Beloved, sometimes when you're feeling like you're by yourself and the devil loves to get us that way, you must remember. And he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And people, you know what? People feel lonely even in a crowd. Discouragement, depression comes. But beloved, I'm telling you, he is near to us. He is near to us. And you know, and I love this, what David said. He said, yea, the darkness hideth not from me, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light light are both alike to thee so there's nothing there is nothing that his eye does not see there's nothing that is hidden from him with whom we have to deal and uh and the bible does say that his eyes are over the righteous and that his ears are open unto their prayers you know what you know if you were far far away and you talk it's hard for somebody to hear you but if they're standing right next to you, it's no problem for them to hear you. The Lord's ear is not, his arm is not short and his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. Beloved, he knows me and he is near me and he wants to be. That's what you and I must remember. I don't know what all's on the future. I don't know how difficult times are gonna be, but I just know this, if you're a child of God, our heavenly father is near to us and we are dear to him. You say, how do you know that? Well, he made me. That's the next one. Look what it says. Look at verse 13. Notice what David said. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And. Notice what he said. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. In other words, on the down on the inside, you know what? I don't know about y'all, but I am not pond scum. Amen. That's not in my family tree. I had that DNA tested. It goes back, shows all these people and places, and there's not one bit of pond scum anywhere. I, regardless of what y'all may think. Amen. I wasn't primordial ooze somewhere. I didn't come from monkeys. Amen. If men came from monkeys, then why are monkeys still producing monkeys? All right. And so that's uh, not a science lesson tonight. But he made us. He made us and is acquainted with us in every aspect. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And why did that? Because he made us with a purpose in mind. One of the things that when I, when we have had friends who were expecting, when their wives were expecting, we would pray, God, may this child fulfill the purpose for which it was created. God put those things together. Man, you know what? He made us so that we could be saved and it was so that we could serve. David here knew that. Notice what he says, look at verse 15. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. David is telling us, man, David's trying to get a hold of the abortionist here. David's trying to let that medical society and that medical world know that, man, life is in that conception. And that's where it begins. It didn't didn't even Jeremiah said that he had called me from the womb? He ordained me as a prophet. The Lord knows those things. Yes, amen. And they're going to have to give an account for the lives that they have, that they have ruined and the lives that they have murdered the, the innocents. And God takes that very seriously. But I want you to know, he made you. You ought to be able to say, man, he made me. He is near me and he knows me. And yet he still loves me. I mean, look at verse 17. We we are coming back to this. Notice what it said. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. You know, one of the things I, I don't know about y'all, and I, I'll let you in a little bit. When I grew up, man, there was a lot of fighting in the house. The, the home that I came from. And, you know, as, a, as a, a, a boy of about eight years old, man, I, you know, I've had, Hey, look at this picture. And it would be a picture of my mom. And, and my dad would be holding that. He said, do you see a ring on her finger, son? Do you see anything there? And trying to make me as a young boy make a judgment about my mother. And hear fighting going on. And sometimes somebody come out bleeding or a door slam and the car start. And then one of them be gone for two or three days. And so i, I that's the environment that I grew up in. And I was so sick all the time. I couldn't keep anything down. And uh, and, and, and they, the, man, I, I drank enough barium to float a bathtub. In the old days, you know, you would drink this stuff, this white stuff. And then you had to stand in front of a fluoroscope. And they would watch it go down. I could have been in one of those uh, Pepto-Bismol commercials, you know. <laughs> I could have been. And, uh, of course, I wasn't but in those days man i mean you know all that kind of stuff and they examined me and you know what they came back and said well the boy's got a nervous stomach no that wasn't the problem it was stress one of the best things that you can teach your your sons and daughters when they get married that they can do for their children you know what it is the best thing for them to know is that dad loves mom and mom loves dad. And that they have the right kind of thoughts about each other. And David, no no wonder, he said, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. To know that you are loved. You know, that that is a priceless pearl. To know that you're loved by the God that made this universe. That you, in particular, as an individual, have significance. Not just in his heart, if you will, in his mind, but in his heart. That you matter. I think that's the reason why in Psalm 116 it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? They're getting to come home. They're getting to come home. David knew that he was loved, man. Not only, not only does he know me and is he near me and he made me, but you got to keep in mind that he thinks of me. Have you ever wondered, sometime Ward, where are you? Sure, sure you have. But you got to remember. That's why I said this. This psalm needs to be read periodically. But I think regularly in that periodically and things that we need to remember is that he thinks about you i mean how how do you feel when you get a note or you get a letter in the mail Uh, were y'all stationed away from home men when you how was mail call for you was that a big deal it was a big deal deal, wasn't it i remember debbie sent me a, a She sent me some nuts and bolts and she sent me i think it was a butt cake or something you sent me a cake anyway you packed it, it it was packed in popcorn of all things they didn't have peanuts in those days so she popped popcorn put that thing in there and then put that cake in there with those nuts and bolts it was a christmas package and then filled the rest of it in with popcorn you know zipped it up and shipped it to us we ate everything but the cardboard amen we ate that old popcorn it was stale and chewy. We didn't care, man. The guys I was in the hooch with, they didn't care, man. They didn't, what'd you get? What'd you get? Mail call. What, was it? What, what did it tell you? It told you that someone far away was thinking about you. And in those days, there was no email and text messaging. So you actually had to sit down and write the letter. You had to devote that time to those things. And it ought to be a source of encouragement to us we need to remember that god has thoughts good thoughts toward us and he's written us a love letter right here he's given us his word here is his word that his thoughts are towards us now listen you know somebody wrote a song said he loves me like i was his only child and he does You know, and doesn't the scripture teach us that he knows that we have need of even before we ask it? That that is a father who knows his children. Is it not? Paul said that he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That is a father who knows the weaknesses and needs. He knows the strengths. He's very much aware of who he's dealing with. Now, when you think about it, when he told Adam and Eve in the garden, don't eat, was he trying to be unkind to them? No, I think sometimes in his letter that we enjoy today, some of the things that we should do, and the things that we shouldn't do, those are given to us to be a blessing to us, not to stifle us, not to cramp us, not to, not, not to take the joy out of life. No, they're there to protect us. They're there to help us. Why? because he loves us i mean even the dietary laws of the old testament they didn't have refrigeration that's why they had to stay away from some of those things he knew that stuff probably tasted good they couldn't have them his his commandments were there to keep mankind from sin and from sorrow because those are first cousins sin and sorrow and the same thing is true about our time, the dispensation in which we live listen and he thinks about me. You say, "Man, I, I live in back racks, just outside of Kerrville. Maybe you're down. A, maybe you're down in a holler like like Brother Mel is, or maybe off yonder like Brother Ed is, in other place. But you know what? David already said, whither can I flee from thy presence?' There's not a mountain or a, or a or a a valley or some butte or mesa here where. For he doesn't know exactly where you are. Even on some of those treks you get on in your Jeep, he knows right where you are. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. So those are the things that David knew. He knew that God knew him, that, that God was near to him, that the Lord had made him, and that the Lord was thinking about him. And beloved, these are things that you and I, we must learn to rely upon he knows me he's and yet he's near me and he has these good thoughts about me why he made me what i'm supposed to be so not only we're we going to see what david did but what did he do look there with me i'm almost done look with me there and look in verse 19 he said surely that wilt slay the wicked O god depart from me you depart from me therefore you bloody men for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not, am not I grieve with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. So what did David do as a result of what David knew? It caused David to do some things. You know what? It made David careful about the company that he kept. He said i don't want these people around me i i i don't want to be associated with that i don't want to do that you know one of the things that david wrote in psalm 15 it says who, who a vile man is contemned in other words he didn't make excuses for them here's the old here's the old saying we become like those with whom we spend the most time right evil communications corrupts good manners So David was careful about the company that he kept. Listen to what he said in Psalm 144. He said, Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. The right hand was a special hand, boy, in that Middle Eastern mind. That was the hand of strength. That was the hand of blessing. That was the hand of trust. But he said theirs is a falsehood and he didn't want to be around that crowd. It wasn't that he was better. He didn't want those influences. And only you and I can determine who we're going to allow to influence our lives. You have to make choices about that. So this is one of the things that David did. The second thing was, not only was he careful about the company that he kept, but he was cautious about the path that he was taking. Look in verse 23, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Somebody said uh, I read what I read sometime that these are dangerous. This is dangerous praying. I, I don't think it's dangerous praying. I think it. I think it's prayers of devotion. Why? Because David understood how much he was loved. He knows me, and yet he's near me. He made me. He has these wonderful thoughts about me. How can I be any less? How can I treat that kind of love? So he said, "Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Try me." That means to examine me and know my thoughts. See, that, that heart is down there having to do with the motive, the intents. Of course, the the thoughts, that's what's in your mind. And usually what people believe, in other words, what you think about, you're going to act out. If you think about it enough times, long enough, frequently enough, you're going to act on that. And So David said, prove me. And then look at the last one. He said, lead me. Guide me in the way everlasting. Lead me, Lord. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to get off track. Lead me. And these are things, beloved, that we've got, that we have to, I think that we have to meditate on, that we have to contemplate for ourselves. When struggles come and trials, and cheer up, they're going to come. It is going to happen. Somebody said, you're either in the midst of a storm, you're on your way out of one, or you're fixing to head into one. <laughs> you know, there's just no getting around it, all right? There's just no getting around it. So so what do we take away from David? I, you know, how do you think David wrote these things? You know what I think it had to do with that David had learned how to be still. You know, somebody asked a little kid once, I think he might've been about five years old, and, I don't know if it was a church setting or whatever it was, parents had to get on him about quit fidgeting all the time and be still, be still. And he finally said, I think he said, mama, it hurts to be still. (laughs) But Psalm 46, the Lord said, be still and know that I am God. And we've got to learn how to do that, to have our thoughts on him. I know we have lives to live and businesses to run and people to look after and uh, music to learn and uh, other things. I mean, I know that, but at the same time, we've we've got to learn. I, I looked up. I looked up the phrase "stand still." Look it up sometime. I just got Moses said this. He said, "Fear you not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord." Sometimes you got to stand still for God to be able to deliver you. And you run around frantic, have you ever just told, hey, I need you to sit down and be still. Why? Listen to what he said. Stand still. Moses was speaking here. He said, stand still and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Sometimes, if you're going to be able to listen, you're going to have to be still. Because God doesn't speak in a whirlwind, a tornado. It's in that still, small voice, is it not? That says, This is the way, walk in it. And when you got a lot of noise and distraction, you can't really hear him like you should. Listen to this one. It says, Samuel said, Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord. Sometimes you got to be still so that God can reason with you. It is like us telling our children, I need you to be still and listen to me. Sit right there and listen to me. Sometimes that's what he has to do with us as a father. This was said unto Job. Hearken unto this, O Job, stand still and consider consider the wondrous works of God. When you think about where you've come from, when you think about what you used to be, when you think about the faithfulness of God over the years, I just look around you sometimes and look and say, man, where did all this come from? And you and you know you just stop and realize, say, man, you know what? Everything I have and everything I am, the Lord has done this. I mean, everything. Yes, sir. amen. Gave me the health to work. Gave me the mind, the skills. What? That, that's all from Him. All from Him. And you got to be still to do that. Let me get this last one. I'll be done. David said, "Stand in awe and sit not. Commune with your own heart." upon your bed and be still and then he put that park bench word in there and he said Selah (laughs) sometimes when you're wrestling with your thoughts sometimes you just got to be still and think on him, think about his presence talk with him listen to him You ever wake you up in the night, you have to get your Bible out, and he's speaking to your heart. Maybe you go outside on a porch or whatever, just look up, talk to him. Yeah, amen, that man. It's in those places, and we just have to be still. And I think David learned that as he was thinking about these things, because you know what? Sometimes he could get, man, he could get in a mess, couldn't he? You look at all the things that happened to him as king and as a father as a leader as a captain i mean all the things that occurred in his life but these were things that he learned and what he learned affected the way that he lived and so we've got to do the same thing now we've got older heads in here we've had we've had time to learn some things about him that have an impact on and can have an impact on the next generation because i'm telling you they are watching how you live you may not think so but they are you know have, have you ever been around someone well if he's not running then i'm not going to run i remember i and i'm going to be done give you this example i was on a, a c-130 i was in gunnery school at herbert field and and uh I think this would might have been like our second mission of learning flying, you know, flying time. We had a 105 howitzer out the left paratroop door. If you've been in a C-130, you know, with the left paratroop door, it's at the back on the left-hand side, and uh, and uh, we got a we have a 105 howitzer, a field artillery piece. Recalls four feet in the airplane, just up a, maybe ten feet from there, uh, ahead of the wheel well. There's a there was a, a 40 millimeter Bofors cannon. And uh, and then in between those two things above the wheel well were two uh, 7.62 miniguns, both of those 6,000 rounds a minute, uh, each one of those. And there were two of those, and a 105 and a 40 millimeter. And then up above, right behind the flight deck, 245 were two 20 millimeter Gatling guns. And so we're having to load this ammunition, do all this stuff, and we're firing at targets out over the ocean and everything. And so we're, there's a there's an instructor pilot, and there's an, a lead gunner, instructor gunner, and he's talking to us, and he's uh, messing with the equipment. We're having to repair it, and so they're firing the 105. And next thing you know, that thing just kind of rares up a little bit. And they said, fire it again, so they fired it again. And, uh, and next thing we watch, this lead gunner, and uh, and he uh, he went over, and he went over to the place in between a, a thing called the booth. It was probably about a 8x8 eight compartment inside that all sealed up. And he went over to this kind of like this little hallway and he went over there and he grabbed the chest pack off of, off of the wall over there where all the parachutes were. And he puts that on right here and he goes back over to the gun and says, okay, shoot it again. And we're watching And next thing you know, man, we start thinking, Hey, if that guy got his parachute, we better go get ours. And so we went over there and got ours and clipped them on because why if he thinks we're going out. We're going out. I mean, You ever that way? Hey, if he's not running, I'm not going to run. But if he runs, I'm going to run too. Well, this is what we need to learn from David. What he learned affected the way that he lived. That old lead gunner was thinking that 105 was going to come out of the floor plate. We were going to crash, and he was going to get out of there. Because the back door, that big opening, we flew with that open. You could look out there and see the horizon, the clouds, the ocean and uh but he had that on just in but hey i may be getting out of here all well, said so whatever he's doing we better do it too what david learned we need to learn amen and he could be near to us in our time kind of struggle in our rejoicing we can trust him with that amen let's pray father thank you for david's letter born to us for this particular psalm dear god and Above all, Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in it, to learn how to cultivate it, dear God, where we not grieve you with our thoughts or our ways or whatever it might be, Father, but that we may walk with you in these days and that we think, Lord, are even going to be more difficult than what we imagine. But, Lord, we're glad today that you are our Heavenly Father and that you see that the, the end from the beginning and that your grace is sufficient we love you father we want to we want to learn lord i want to learn how to practice more of your presence in my life i pray for these dear listeners lord you'll dismiss us tonight be with those lord that are at home and under the weather god we pray that you'll restore them in jesus name amen amen thank you